All right, we're rolling. This is the Here's Poor Records punk rock movie discussion. I'm Dwayne Burns, and I'm with my first guest ever, Taylor Jenkins from the band Hearts on Fire. Hello. How's it going? Fantastic. All right, so this is the first episode. We're going to try everything, see if it works out, um, fuck up some stuff. Pick some stuff, see what happens. Yeah. Um, basically, what the, the idea for this is, is being band people, as me and Taylor are, you meet a lot of people, talk about music because you play music together. But this, we like movies. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. yeah, we do. Um, so we decided, uh, since we have the extreme love for Stephen King, we were going to do the first episode as a Stephen King movie. We may dabble with the book a little bit. The, the movie is going to be 1983's David Cronenberg's The Dead Zone, starring Christopher Walken as Johnny Smith. Brooke Adams yeah. as Sarah. Yeah. Tom Skerritt. The amazing Tom Skerritt. Yes, as Sheriff Bannerman from Castle Rock. Uh, yeah. Martin Sheen as Still Stillman. Who plays a good... Stillman. Stilson? Stilson, yeah. Yeah, I wrote that down wrong. That's so we're, dumb. We're, we're killing it so far. We're killing it so far. Martin and Sheen and, and playing a very good creepy asshole. Yeah. Which, uh, I don't know, I don't think he is a creepy asshole, but he plays one well. I mean, he said he was a creepy asshole in the interview I watched with him, so... And then uh, Canadian actor Nicholas Campbell as Dobbs, who plays a very important part in the movie. Extremely important. Extremely important. Apparently, I watched this behind-the-scene feature, and of course, Cronenberg is Canadian. They filmed yes. it in Canada. Canada. The, so, great, the great white north of Canada. So they had to have so many Canadian actors. And Nicholas well, Campbell... Walken's not Canadian, is he? No. No. But Nicholas Campbell is. Okay. Apparently, I think the Herbert Lone guy who plays Wysak... Okay. They, the they, doctor? The doctor, yeah. yeah. And then... Uh, uh, he, he looks Canadian. The super insane mother. Oh, Don's mother. No, not Don's mother. Uh, uh, oh, Johnny's mom. Oh, Johnny's mom. The, yes. The, the hyper-religious... Uh, yeah. Yeah. She's, yeah, played down in the movie. She. They did. It yeah. was definitely a much uh, much bigger part of the book. It, yeah. It but, was sort of a... It created a, a stigma around her that Johnny had to deal with that wasn't really so present in the, in the movie. It was touched on. Yeah. But... It wasn't this sort of looming thing over him as yeah, it was. Yeah, they, they eliminated her pretty quick. We'll get to that. But anyway. Got rid of her real fast. Funny, though, the Nicholas Campbell guy was actually who Cronenberg wanted to play Johnny okay. originally, but they were like, no. I can see it, but of course I'm glad it was Walken. Yeah. Because well, he's Christopher Walken. Walken is fantastic. Yeah. All right, well, let's. Uh, I guess we'll go ahead and kind of break it down. We will spoil this movie, so if you have not seen it, first of all, you have a problem. Well, you should have... it was 37 years ago, yes. so if you haven't seen it, I don't think we can be held accountable for any spoilers here. Um, I mean, it's a fantastic film, especially in the is. climate of now, politically-wise. We'll, Stephen... we'll, we'll talk yeah. a little bit about that later. I don't think either of us missed that. No. Um, the the uh, Stilson... Reminds us of someone yes. that uh, that may or may not be presently. I mean, Stephen King of the United constantly. States. Um, yeah, but, which yeah. will bring up an interesting question that I have later, um, and, and we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get okay. To it. Let's just let's let's dig in. Let's get into this. All right. So basically, we were discussing this earlier off mic about how this movie, in my opinion, is broken up basically into two parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, first part is, uh, I guess. The serial killer part, we'll call it that for right now, I guess. That's, yeah, that's. Then, I mean, that's what it is, yeah. And then the second part is the Stilson part. But anyway, yeah. we'll go ahead and start. So, basically, the movie starts out with a title sequence, which I want to talk about because... Okay, you, you said you had an issue with it. I don't have an issue. It, to me, uh, is so reminiscent of Alien, how it breaks okay. letter by letter. I think it is fantastic. Ah. Because as it zooms out, it just, you basically get little by little, to, you know, it forms the word, the dead zone. 
and I but love it's it. It's got the still shots and, mm-hmm. and the the font or the mm-hmm. whatever the logo, whatever yeah. you may want to call it. But as soon as I see it, I always think of that, which is great because who is an alien? Tom Skerritt. Tom Skerritt. <laughs> yes. So the amazing uh, Tom Skerritt. But yeah, but to me that is uh, the first thing I recognize. Every time I see it, I instantly think of Alien because I think these are two of the most like iconic beginnings, like that whole. Scenario. You know, I don't think I, I would have ever made that connection, but now that you've said it, mm-hmm. I'm never not going to see it. No, it's amazing. I love it. <laughs> I see alien. that every time I watch The Dead Zone. Like, it starts, and it's just, that's that's what I see. You yeah. Know? No, well, I, I mean, I, I 100% get it now, yeah. but may not have made that leap on my own. All right. But basically, the, uh, the movie starts uh, with Johnny Smith teaching class, reading about... The Raven. Yeah, the Raven. Reading Poe, which he will again later in the Mm -hmm. movie, too. And I I feel like either that's Cronenberg's nod to Edgar Allan Poe, or it's Jeffrey Bohm, the writer. Yeah, Or maybe King's influence, because I know know. he was involved with the writing of the screenplay. Um, He's not credited, but, I mean, it wouldn't be any surprise to anyone if Stephen King was a a Poe fan. I mean, I know that that with Bohm, he... We wrote the script like four or five times. Was I mean, it? Okay. Yes. And he basically, because they went to streamline it, because that's the thing with the, uh, do you want to touch on the book at all right quick? This is the beginning? It's going to float in and out, so okay. we might as well. Well, yeah. so this is the beginning. And the, the, the one thing I do miss, and I understand what's not there, anyone who's read the Dead Zone book, which I have, and the man across I, the, the pool table has yeah. also. I enjoy the way they introduce Stilson as a Bible salesman, and he kicks that dog to death. <laughs> Because yeah. it shows no, how much of a shit he is. As terrible as that is, it does... I mean, it's it's almost necessary to establish just what a piece of shit he yeah. is. I um, mean, it's just there. But yeah. they, they they don't touch any of that. You don't mm-hmm. really see stills in, until like halfway through the movie. Yeah, about... Yeah, beginning yeah. of part two, as we called it as, earlier. As act, act two, if yeah, you like. Yeah, act two. And then um, the book also starts out with the... Uh, which apparently they filmed the scene but didn't use it, is Young Johnny... With the uh, the fall on the ice, right? With the basically the man burning himself, jumping the car off in the book. I uh, for some reason every time I watch the movie, I almost expect to see that scene on the ice, yeah. and like I, it, it's just made, it's so ingrained in my mm-hmm. head from the book that I'm almost always a little surprised when mm-hmm. the movie doesn't start with them. Like, oh, that's right, they didn't. I always think they address it in a flashback, but they do not. They don't. No, but, it's it's strange to me because it feels like such a big part of the book. It 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 sets that sort of groundwork for uh the tumor yeah or just mental trauma Uh which i mean he's not a bad guy but you hear so much about that commonality of of serial killers all Mm -hmm. having the frontal lobe injuries as children and then you know johnny has it Mm -hmm. but his his is for good yeah i guess not evil but as much as he wants to resist it yeah, well, that's the thing is, like, I guess because I saw the deleted scene forever ago, I always think it's still in there because it makes sense. But, yeah, they were, I guess, Bone oh, wanted to streamline. That's what, you, so they yeah, did film they it. they filmed it, but then it was a deleted. Okay, you yeah, you, you said that. I yeah, was yeah, just, they did a deleted of it and stuff like that, and it shows the actual, with the jumping, whatever, and stuff. But gotcha. they just decided they didn't want to have all the backstory with the, they wanted to cut the secondary side story King had of the, of the, basically, the, the early psychic abilities they just kind of wanted it to start with the um the accident with the. i car. mean they can explain it away yeah. with, with the accident with the tractor trailer mm-hmm. the milk truck yeah yeah um, so i mean that's that i mean they can sort of milk truck <laughs> yeah somehow propelling itself over a hill but yeah. that's you know whatever yeah that's that's what it is um but i guess they can just sort of wrap 
all that up in, in that one scene with head injury or mm-hmm. the, the coma or yeah, how, however it, they want to attribute the his yeah. his newfound powers. Yeah, because also in the book they the whole one of my favorite parts of the book and like you people can go back and, and read the book and you'll understand what we're talking about because this may get cut out. We were talking a lot about this book early on, the Will of Fortune stuff mm. and it's my favorite. Yeah, he does all the the num- basically in the book to anyone who does not know Johnny and Sarah early before the accident, go to a fair. They address it for like a second when they ride a roller coaster, but uh, that's about all they have fair-wise. There's no no real explanation Mm. behind that. Just, But yeah, Yeah. that's where it would be if they filmed it. Well, they go to a fair and they're playing a game called It's the Wheel of Fortune. Spin a wheel, you put a a checker or whatever on a number. If you win, you get money. It's roulette, basically. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, or some version of it. And basically, he goes and he's using his Johnny Psychic Ability stuff um, and basically wins a ton of money. And kids are coming up and they're winning money and the guy's getting really pissed and all that it's one of my favorite scenes in the book but like i said they just totally cut it out so basically the movie starts you get the scene of uh the raven Mm -hmm. and also what i enjoy is as they're leaving the class he assigns sleepy hollow to the class which also stars Christopher Walken Christopher as the Walken. headless horseman later on. Like 20 years later. Yeah. Yeah. So Or so. And I'm sure that wasn't not anything because why wasn't around yet there. Yeah, no, you, you pick, <laughs> pick up on those things after the fact. And um, basically he meets Sarah. They decide, he's like, oh, we're going to go out to go to apparently the most deserted roller coaster ever. It's there. just them. In the car, when the cars pull back in, it's just the two of them in an empty, yeah. there's like eight cars and it's just them. Yeah. And I mean... <laughs> I know it was empty. Apparently, Cronenberg addressed the fact that everywhere they re- they they filmed was sub-zero temperatures, so everyone yeah. was having a very horrible time. So I'm sure there was no one there except for the roller coaster operator who was like, "You guys have a good time." But anyway, he has a little headache thing go He's, on. He um, has a, he has an episode. Yeah, pre pre accident. Yeah. So um, so anyway, he goes back. They do the whole. You can stay over if you want to. He's like, no. We'll wait. You know, it's sometimes it's nice to wait. So he decides to leave in his little uh broken down what um, is he driving VW it's a, Beetle it's a Beetle yeah 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 and then he's driving guy in the milk truck <laughs> it is a semi truck full of milk and yeah, uh, as yeah. he's driving falls asleep kind of loses control uh runs into the ditch the tractor trailer falls off and slides an extreme amount of st- uh, like distance down the road slides about half a mile yeah. real slow over a hill over a hill and and Johnny just sort of casually drives into yeah. it and he's in a coma for five years yes apparently it's a big deal so yes so, so flash forward wakes up well shows him in the hospital bandaged all up sarah comes sarah in comes to see him uh, yeah. i love you i'll wait for you leaves flash forward no bandages in a really nice yeah. room yeah and enter dr wyzak he's in the wyzak institute i believe yeah and apparently dr wyzak played by herbert loam is the number one brain specialist, coma specialist, whatever, in wherever they're supposed to be. I'm guessing it's New England because it all takes it's place around New England. It, with, Castle Rock. With say. Steven. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and you know what Sarah didn't do? What did she not do? Wait. Wait for him. <laughs> no. Nah, like she said she would. She did not wait. She, she was out real quick. Five years is a long time. Oh, I guess so. But uh, Johnny wakes up and being the uh, ever perceptive one he is, he's like, no bandages that was yeah, me doing a horrible yeah. no Christopher Walken and uh yeah. he's like how long have I been out you know and everyone's just kind of like what and he touches the doctor's hand and realizes it's been like five years does he touch it in the movie or is that just in the book I, f- I think it's in the book because his mother tells him in yeah, the hospital says, like, it's, it's been, been like five, five years. years yeah yeah because he doesn't know okay and we can't skip over the absolutely god-awful haircut he has in the beginning of the movie oh, yeah yeah 
and then they, you know, when he wakes up five years later, they have his hair slicked back, you know, to illustrate that mm-hmm. time has passed. Yeah. He doesn't have, I don't ever need to see Christopher Walken. You talking about the bangs? bangs. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, but that's, he's just a young, hopeful man at that I mean, point. And then, you know, when he wakes up, he's, he's got his, you know, Christopher Walken hair standing yeah. up everywhere. And he's, he's older, mm-hmm. he's jaded. Yeah. He's not happy. And you can see the future. Yeah, well, like his mom, like basically the Wyzak, uh, uh, Wyzak says, uh, your parents are in the other room, they're waiting. Uh, I mean, I guess they've been waiting because he just wakes up. I mean, I don't, I don't guess they knew that they were going mm. that he was going to wake. I don't know. Right. Anyway, he, uh, they come in and then he's talking to him. And this is where we get the first little bit of his mom being a little, uh, a little, a little much. Mm-hmm. She's definitely a little much. And um, his dad's a little more low key, you know, he's more like, you know, and he's like, uh, where's Sarah? And she's like. Don't you worry about her. She uh-huh. she's shacking up with another man or something along that line. Sure Basically, is. the mom went hardcore about how much Sarah sucks real quick. I guess the mom didn't like Sarah. So I guess much. not. But the dad the dad's a little more down mm-hmm. to earth. Not just well. I mean, you know, yeah, making shelves. He's a little <laughs> he's a little more rational. Yeah. Whereas she's in a in a especially in the book in just a religious yeah. fervor for the entire time. Yeah. Um. And if you're religious, that's cool. Yeah. But. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> I'm not either, but I I don't like to step on toes. I will go ahead and say this this podcast will lean more or less atheist with me especially. I have yeah. no you know. Yeah, that would that would account for both of us. And then uh and I also cry liberal tears, I guess. Mm-hmm. So there you go. I mean uh, We're just a couple of atheist snowflakes. <laughs> yes. That's uh, all right. That's all right. It, but we will say that the mom is dispatched pretty quickly in the movie. They uh she in the book yeah. stays around for a long time. Gives a bunch of money to uh, shady that's preacher right. people. Uh, the televangelists. Yeah, a lot that's of right. that going on. That. She's around. She he's living with her in the movie. Basically, they kind of skip it. Anyway, let's not skip too far ahead. So anyway, we skip to the next scene, which is one of my favorites in the movie: the fire scene. Oh, the fire scene's fantastic. Yes. All right, basically yeah. Johnny's in there. His nurse comes in. We'll call her Nurse Bill. I don't. Ner- I can't ner- remember her name. Nurse Lady. I remember. Uh, Daughter's name's Amy. So because Amy's he, well, he mom. He keeps repeating Amy, yeah. but uh, yeah, Amy's mom works. <laughs> yeah, Amy's mom's there. Because anyway. I don't have any fucking idea what her name is. <laughs> yes. But anyway, he's in there, and he uh, he jumps up, and he he grabs her arm, and he's like, uh, basically like, where's your daughter? Amy. Who's Amy? And she's like, what, what, what? And he's like, your house is on fire, but it's not too late. You can save her. And it cuts to the scene of him laying in the bed on fire, child yeah. in the corner, which, by the way, all practical effects. Yep. He was really on fire. There was no digital shit back no. then. Well, he, there was, but Cronenberg wasn't using it with a $10 million budget. Yes. Well, he was legit on fire. He said he would lay in the bed. Granted, he was up <laughs> under the thing. He wasn't actually oh, yeah. on his legs. And his but, sweatiness was like some sort of fire repellent thing. Oh, But they were yeah, like, oh, what's okay. really great is it looked like sweat and stuff. But that was really so he would not ignite. He wouldn't yeah. burst into flames. <laughs> but I think effect-wise, fucking fantastic. Like, And it's legit crazy. The kid's crying. He's like, uh, you got to get her. You got to get her. And then flash to the fire department showing up. And they save her. Good job. You know, what happened to the days of when a, when a director would just set their lead actor on fire to get a good good shot? I mean, these these guys these days, it's all blue, green screen yeah. nonsense. Let's set some people on fire again. Yeah, let, let's let's talk to Kane Hodder about getting set on yeah. fire. He wouldn't admit it's his own fault. So anyway, <laughs> uh, so that whole thing works out great. So then we realize the man's got crazy crazy visions and stuff. And That's the first time stuff. we see yeah. it that through through uh, like a skin to skin contact yeah. with other people. He can see. I guess it's just their futures. Well, no, mm-hmm. he sees the doctor's past. Yeah. 
Yeah, so they said that was kind of a weirdness kind of thing or whatever. Was that a was that a misstep? Well, no. The thing is, when what Cronenberg addressed in it was that the thing with his visions is that he is physically put into the scene. That's why he was on fire. He was on Same fire, thing and with, then uh, when he's in the gazebo later, which yeah. we'll talk about later. But the but. only thing is, they said that originally. All right, so the next scene that he has, next vision, is when he talks to Wyzak and touches his arm, and then he sees the young doctor being basically put into uh, like a like a vehicle of some sort, and mm-hmm. his mom sending him off for safety during World War II. Yeah. Because he's Jewish, she's Jewish. Right. Shit's not going to go well for them. And sending uh, her and everything, and he's like, you know, saying, he's safe, he's safe. So, and so he assumes his mother is perished she's dead he this is a much older man he's seven in his what 70s late 60s i'd say late so yeah he's 80s old there's no telling he could be he could be 45 (laughs) anyway uh he looks to be in he looks to be in his close to 70s anyway johnny's like your mother is still alive i know where she lives yeah he's like are you what and uh, he's like, no, 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 no. He just doesn't believe it, whatever, and goes about his, goes well, about he, his day. He believes it enough to follow up on it. Yeah. Well, the thing is also is the whole jolts of him grabbing people. You know, the whole, like, the, the jerks. jerks. Yes. Yeah. Cronenberg got that by shooting a forty-four Magnum every time he did that. That is how he got those... So that's actually walking, reacting, and, mm-hmm. like, yes. He said he shot so many guns during this because he said he walked around the set with a gun just for this reason. So anytime you see him jerk or the people is because he's shooting it into the air. He apparently shot an AK-47 for the World War II scene. So everyone was freaking out. So everyone's on it and they don't know when the shots are coming. Those are genuine... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Did um, not realize that. So anyway, yeah, Dr. Wysak, I guess, looks up the name, calls, asks to speak to his mom. Or the name he gave him, and she answers the phone, and then he's like, and hangs it up. He's like, I can't do it, but but he uh, but he knows yes. now that so, the mom's alive. Yeah. yeah, so he's like, well, that's a uh, so all that stuff is legit. And that for him, obviously, is the turning point where he believes Johnny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like, he's, he's seen some sort of abnormalities in in, in Johnny and his his brain. Yeah. I guess for. The real scientific. Yeah, he's but. been looking at stuff because is this the part where he addresses? No, it's later on. It's later on that he's, when he he's, said he'd been doing research on like yeah. uh, telekinesis or not telekinesis, but telepathy. Yeah. And uh, but I think this, yeah, that scene is the point where he's he's like all he's all in. Yeah. He's like, okay, I believe everything Johnny has said, or now everything I have suspected is confirmed. Yeah. Also, uh, somewhere in here, I'm not exactly sure when he addresses the fact that with every vision. Johnny is deteriorating. It is not a positive uh, effect on his body. No, that, and uh, that's uh, it's it's killing him. Yeah, basically. And yeah. I think that is not a book thing. I think the book. I don't think they affect. It him doesn't, but in the movie, it does lend a little more. It sort of eases. I don't know, like softens the blow at the end yeah. when uh, you know, spoiler alert, yeah. Johnny dies. Yeah. But he knows that every time he has this experience. Yeah. It's it's sucking his life away. Yeah. Like so he's he's gonna go anyway. Yeah. And he they he and the doctor talk about that. Like he even asks, like, you know, how much time do I have left? Yeah. And I'm just like, well, if you keep doing this, not much. So yeah. but yeah, I don't think that's a part of the book. No, I don't think there's not a point that where I the recall. deterioration of it. Yeah. Yeah, said the thing with the book is like there's a lot more going like there's a, some brain tumor action, all this other stuff they do not address. They streamline for the movie. And I personally will say, and Stevie King agrees apparently, it was a good idea. The movie was streamlined, yeah. it streamlined well. You get the gist of what happens in the book without Stephen King's 
extremely awesome character development. But yeah, anyway, they did a great job streamlining it. So um, after that, we have the, after everything, he does the, um, the press junket type thing. Yeah. Where they're asking about the stuff, and they start asking about all these questions, like, uh, "Will Stilson win the the election?" He's like, "I don't even know who these people are," because he's been yeah. a, he's been asleep for like five years or so. And then the one reporter is like, uh, he's basically talking about how he has to touch people. And the one reporter's like, "Well, you could touch me," and he comes real, up there, real arrogant, yeah, prick guy. He's like, and, "Oh, fucking prove it, touch yeah. me." And, and then he touches he him, and he regretted that. Yeah, so he shut him down by saying, <laughs> uh, "So you want to know how your sister died? When she, or yeah, why, why she killed herself?" Why and the guy's like, "What the fuck?" Like he yeah. loses it, and so he shuts him down real quick. So, uh, yeah, so he yet again showing that uh, what he's doing is is legit. It's not fake, right? Um, and then basically, this is where we get to kind of the meat of the first half of the movie. During this this uh, press junket, his mother is watching him on TV and then dies yeah. from a stroke, a heart attack, a something that makes her make a funny face, and she, then she dies. She couldn't take it. Yes, she couldn't and take seeing her boy yeah. being called a freak on TV. Yes, and, and she plus did. she dropped dead. And plus, you know, he's uh, she. There's in the book. There's a lot of business with the devil and stuff. Or well, whatever. I mean, certainly if you're if you're yeah. telepathic, you're in league with the devil. Yeah. that's the devilish trickery. Yeah. Well, after that happens, uh, Johnny moves in from the basically moves in from the institute. I guess he's been standing in with his father. Um, Which the institute was a fantastic book. Did you I really have not read it yet. It's, no. re it's real good. Right. Well, yeah, carry on. <laughs> I mean, they're making a movie for it. I think already. So uh, <laughs> every Stephen King book. You know, they give it about three months of being in print, and then they're like, well, the movie's in production. Yeah. Um, but it's real good. Yeah. You should read it. I mean, I haven't read it yet. I'm not watching The Outsider because I haven't read that yet either. The Outsider's a great book, and yeah. I haven't watched it for that reason yeah. also, as I don't think... I don't, I don't know. I've heard it's great, but yeah. I don't know if it's going to live up to how wonderful the book was. But uh, we're we're getting off, uh, off, 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 no. off topic here. All right. Well, anyway. we are talking about Stephen King. I mean, we're on subject, off subject. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so he brings us to the meat of, of what I call part one. Um, fucking Tom Skerritt shows up. The, the Castle Rock Killer. Yes. N not, Tom Skerritt's not the Castle yeah, yeah, Rock no, Killer. No, He's no. hunting the Castle Rock Killer. Yes. Uh, Tom Skerritt shows up to ask Johnny for help because there's apparently during this five-year stint of him being in a coma, there's been a killer running around. Mm -hmm. um, they got a serial killer on their hands. Yeah, I and guess in the... Yeah. Skerritt's at the end of his rope. Doesn't yeah. know what to do. Can't, Turn no. into a psychic. Yes. Sheriff Bannerman from Castle Rock. Yes. Cannot, can't make it happen. If so. you are a Stephen King reader, then that name is familiar. Yeah. So he's like, come, can you come help us out? And he's like, uh, he's like, I, I don't know. I don't know. And his dad's telling him, he's like, this has been going on. It's, it's you know, the, all these girls have died. He's basically like stabbing them all up with these uh, fucking scissors, which in the book, yeah. I think it's a straight razor, but for some reason he's using these scissors. And, uh, but they just can't figure out what's going on. So he uh, takes him with Sheriff, uh, Sheriff Benderman and... Mm -hmm. Uh, Deputy Dodd, Dodd, Dobbs, uh, Dodd, go, Dodd, 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 yeah, okay, Deputy, <laughs> Deputy Dodd, so anyway, him and, uh, Dodd take him to this, um, underpass, like, little under the bridge thing, and where they found some cigarettes and stuff, and they're trying to see if something's going on there, uh, Johnny does not get a vision, because as we talked about earlier, it's pretty much, uh, a skin-on-skin kind of thing, uh, yeah. so, He's got nothing, even though the killer apparently has smoked these Marlboros because he brings the pack mm -hmm. out. I don't know if that was a product placement or not. I'm sure it was not. So he's like, no, I don't have anything. So anyway, he goes back. And then, but while shortly after, there's another murder, which is fresh. The body's there. So he goes there and uh, Johnny is there with the body and leans down and touches 
the body. Um, and of course is teleported into the scene with the girl before she is murdered. This is the amazing gazebo scene. And yes. I will talk about this gazebo in a second. Do you want to talk about this scene? You're pretty good on this one. I, I, the gazebo scene, uh, there, there's a lot there, I think. It just, the setting, the, I don't know, I guess you, you, you the, the mise-en-scene of the stark white everything, it sort of sets a mood of, of a purity of an innocence, which I think is probably intentional. But that scene... I mean, it's it's almost entirely black and white, yeah. which is it, it creates a pretty stunning visual mm -hmm. uh, shot. Which you've got just the gazebo, fresh snow, everyone's wearing all black, and it's yeah. just kind of it, it. It really pulls you into that mood, um, and you can't see his face yeah. for almost the entire time, which does a lot to lend a lot of drama to that because you you know you're getting into it the music's pumping up everything's just so stark and you're like who is who is it who's yeah. this guy who's this guy yeah and you it, they they hold out just long enough where he turns around and of course you do see it as deputy dodd yeah um, because the whole time he's all like she knows him apparently everyone who got murdered knew the killer because right. it's when he touches her hand, yeah. he keeps saying, she knows him, she yeah. knows him. Because they're having him. the conversation. Like, come up here, let me show you something great up in the gazebo and all that and stuff. So, But yeah, once again, he's in there and he's like, I can't help her, I can't help her. He's losing the shit because, like I said, he's teleported each scenario where he's there, you know, but he just can't. But he the, can't affect the mm -hmm. environment. No, so. but he feels like he's there, just like with the fire scene. But And also, you, before the, the murder, you see the infamous scissors that yeah. he's been using and like said for some reason he just decided and Cronenberg said that that was just a, something they decided to go with that the scissors were very ominous uh really sharp barber scissors instead of doing yeah. the straight razor the way in the book but uh anyway he, I think it's just as simple as being murdered with a pair of scissors would really fucking hurt yeah <laughs> you know, I mean, a straight razor, yeah, a straight yeah. razor, you might, you know, it's gr gruesome, but it might slit yeah. your throat or something, but it's clean, like a pair of scissors would really, really hurt. Yeah. And plus, the thing is, is like, of course, you see that he's a, a little creepster, because he does a little tear of the blouse before he stabs yeah. her and shit, you know. But he does, what's the actor's name? Oh, that is Nicholas Campbell. He does a fantastic job of not being creepy yeah. before that scene. Yeah. So it is a real reversal of that character and you're like oh shit him like, do you really? think that because he's on the force he fucked up a lot of stuff to make it easy because you know he was apparently at every scene it seems like because i don't see the castle rock well uh, police squad being huge only people i see are basically you see you know, tom scarrett's character yeah. and dodd yeah do and you then see, you see any other well, yeah you see well, the one I, guy where they're like Where's Dodd? And he's like, he just run off in your police car. He took your car. Yeah, yeah and but there's that's... like one or maybe four, if, if that. Basically, so yes, we find out that Dodd is the killer. And he's like, hey, where's Dodd? Oh, he left in his cruiser, or your cruiser. So they go to his house. The cruiser's there. He, uh, Johnny looks up, sees him in the window. So he already yeah. knows he's there. He knows they he's go there. to the door. The mom answers. Mom Dodd. I don't know if she has a name, but she's all like Mom Dodd. She's all like uh she's all like he's not here, he's not here. She's like, I know he's here, I saw him in the window. He's not here. So yeah. they forced their way in, uh, they go upstairs. While this is going on, Dodd is put on a fucking fisherman's outfit of some sort, a leathery it's, thing. It looks like a I don't know what it is. 
It looks like someone from Maine would have it on, and they go fishing. It looks kind of like is it a, Is that a slicker? Uh, it slick, looks like a slicker. A slicker? It looks like a slicker. But it's black, and it's got these buckles on it. It yeah. sort of looks like a, like maybe, it's an, it's an S&M yeah. slicker. Yeah. For well, you kinky New Englanders. Well, I don't know. But anyway, he's doing some ritualistic, he decides to kill himself. Quite, and, quite gruesomely. Yes, and this is the only legit Cronenberg body horror moment in the movie, actually. Yeah. Is the Cronenberg really yeah. shined in this yeah. uh, this moment because it is fucking brutal. Yeah, and the uh, <laughs> basically he he fucking eats a pair of scissors mm-hmm. and in a real mm. brutal way. You don't see it happen, but of course it's like you, you see don't need the to show aftermath. It. Yes, though. and there's just and it's like he's driven the scissors through the top of his mouth yes. into his brain, and it's every bit as awful as it sounds. It's not good. You're like, you're no. like oh, you feel bad for a second, but you realize he's a piece of shit. So anyway, yeah, you do feel bad, and you're like, "Oh wait, he killed like eight girls." So, well, as you, know, you come out, that guy. you see a hand go for uh, a a gun, and I guess God's work belt or whatever. And apparently, uh, well, not apparently, it, it he she does. He's got his gun belt slung over a chair with yeah. the, with the gun like just hanging unlatched. Yeah. So Madad grabs the gun. But that's after, right? No, he's already died. Uh, Johnny, Johnny touches out. her hand. You knew. You knew. Oh, yeah. That's when yeah. on the way in. He yeah. grabs her hand on the way in. So she knows her, yes. her goose is cooked, sort of. Yeah, he knows that she knew that she knew her son was killing these people. Yeah. They go upstairs, find him dead. As he comes out of the room, she pops a shot off, hits him somewhere, I guess, in the side or something. It's not fatal, but it's... It's no, because enough. they really gloss over it. Yes. The next scene, he's just walking around. Yeah, and then the next scene, he has moved away from Castle Rock. Uh-huh. He is living in a different town because he wanted to get away because this is pre-internet. So he so could you just could move, just to, move to the next town and, and be like, you were gone. And no one, he was he was gone. <laughs> he was out of the public eye. So, yeah, uh, so yeah that kind of wraps up what that I call part be... one. I will want to discuss we'll one say thing. Act one, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the funny thing is the gazebo scene, right? Uh huh. Do you know the history of the gazebo? The history of the, the gazebo itself. The gazebo itself. Yeah. Well, anyway, the town they filmed it so. in. Everything's in Toronto, pretty much, or whatever. So they go in this town. They need the gazebo scene. So they tell the town they're like, this "We're going to build the gazebo," and they're like, "We don't want you to do it." He's like, "Well, look, we'll make it really shoddy. As soon as we're done, tear it down. No muss, no fuss." So they're like, "Fine." So they build the gazebo. They do the scene. To this day, the gazebo. <laughs> Is in every pamphlet as the gazebo from the dead oh, zone. Oh, so they're really and playing it And people go up there and they take pictures with the gazebo. It is the gazebo from the dead zone. They basically monetize this white gazebo, which they did not want in the first place. But now then it's they like they in could uh, make a few dollars. It's actually it, yeah. in. It's not Toronto. It's uh, the Lake of Niagara. I think is where it's located. Okay. But yeah, it's considered one of their biggest tourist sites. Is that fucking like, gazebo uh, that they didn't want? This is a fucking. It's like the Rocky statue. Of fucking, yeah, it's a fucking tourist attraction. Yeah, yeah. Of, of Lake of of <laughs> of uh, I was about to say Nicaragua. Of Nicaragua. Wow, we really really uh, crossing the map now. All right, so Canada, Nicaragua. Whatever. All right, so we're busting into section two. Okay, let me ask you this before this. Um, Okay, no. Okay, good. I got it written down. No, no, we, we totally skipped over it. The hmm. Sarah and Denny part. When they fuck. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so Sarah, from the earlier, his, his I guess we'll say fiancé, whatever. He said he's going to marry her early on in the movie. Yeah, she yeah, has moved on, got married, marry had a kid. Uh, anyway, he is... He is she come to visit him in the hospital earlier. They said we kind of skipped over all this because it, you know, whatever. Um, anyway, she shows up at his dad's house to visit with her kid, Denny. I don't know why she brought the kid over. She brings the kid. Yeah. Puts him to sleep. And then and they just starts whipping her clothes off. And then they bone then they bone zone. <laughs> yeah. And uh because he's talking about how his dad's out. He's like, he'll be home for a while. Because he's out helping somebody. Because his dad's out. 
Making bookshelves. Banging some other yes. lady. Making, yes. And, the uh, whole Smith family is getting down today. Yeah. Well, anyway, they decide to, uh, she comes over, they basically, she's like, they weren't doing it. The kid's asleep. Uh, she I mean, says, well, his dad comes home, they make dinner, and the kid's in, like, Johnny's fucking child seat. Well, he's in, remember, like, he's like, I made this just child seat for for Johnny That's when he was right. little. His dad hand. said, I made this, it's like a booster seat yeah. or something, yeah. Yeah, so they're all having food, she cooks up, and he's like, oh, he's gonna be getting tired of my cuisine. Wraps up, they're leaving, She's he's like, well, I'll see you again. She's like... Never like this. Not like this. So basically, like, we'll like be this. friends, but you're not going to get any of this business. Because so, I have a husband and child. Yes. Yes. And they address that even more so in the book, but we've talked about the book they so much. They address it a lot more in the book, but for the movie, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. They, you know that there was going to have to be some well, re- reconnection, a physical reconnection between Johnny and, well... Presumably, well, the thing is, but well, there's the thing an interesting. Is, it, comes, it comes back up yet again. Even well, the, the interesting one thing I noticed when rewatching it this week, or I guess maybe something that occurred to me, Johnny is is pushing everything and everyone farther away and just mm-hmm. isolating himself. So yeah. he can have this relationship with Sarah. Yeah, but that's all it can be. Like he can't really let anyone in. So he's already begun putting up this wall. Yeah, which. By the end of the film is is much more significant. You'll you'll see why. But um, I guess it just it says a lot about his mental state. Yeah. That he's. What is he? He, uh, he brings up Sleepy Hollow again. Um, when he's talking to Sarah about how he's alone. Yeah. And he says, he talks about something like Ichabod Crane and he said, "Oh, I've, yeah, I got it here." Um, as he was a bachelor and in nobody's debt, no one worried their head about him anymore. Yeah. So this is. Johnny's ideal life. He's he doesn't want to be a burden. He doesn't want to be noticed. That's why he you know he turns the sheriff away the first time he asks for help. He just yeah. doesn't. He basically is is resigned to just sitting in his dad's house waiting to die. <laughs> but I think that was pretty interesting. That it's something I didn't really notice the previous times I had watched it. That he's yeah. really really retreating into himself, and that's um, that will sort of come to a head at the end. His his final act, I suppose, because it's a solitary, selfless act, but a, a very solitary act that is, you know, is it's just got to be him by himself. Yeah, which is where he's he's put himself. But anyway, yeah. that's just a, a quick observation. All right. Well, basically, what this is is so all the the uh, dodge stuff is wrapped up the so he's moved on basically to get away from everything he moves to a new town i don't know it doesn't can we talk real quick yeah go ahead about how fucking creepy dodge house is oh yeah (laughs) everything's green yeah the green light coming from everywhere and everything's like in decay Uh and there's like the weird pictures and it's just like that to me besides well no that's wrapped up in the suicide Mm -hmm. of being I very like, distinctively Cronenberg. Like, I, that no, house, it's set, weird. I mean, it's set such a mood. Yeah. And it's like, that, what, that scene's all of five minutes. Yeah. They, they bust in the house, they find Amy's dad, Dodd's mom shoots Johnny, like, but the lighting, the atmosphere, the, the, the scenery, the, everything about it just, God, it almost makes your skin crawl. Yeah. It's, it's, it's that moment where you're like, Cronenberg is... He's got he's got the reins and the, he's he's fucking owning it. Yeah, it's crazy because this was only his uh, what second film after Videodrome. I think um, this may be in his. Second. He had done Scanners. 
Oh, yeah, that's right. Scanners, Scanners was, was 81. He had done a number of short films through the 70s, but I think Scanners was his first like big one, 81. Yeah. And then 83, he did Videodrome and Dead Zone. Okay. So he was still a few years away from The Fly. Yeah, but which is fantastic. He was star- oh, of course. But he was starting to sort of develop that visual style. Like, yeah. Just in Dodd's house, you're like, oh, man, I see what's coming. The years to come from yeah. this guy's fucking insane <laughs> head, and I love it. But that, I mean, that scene alone could could stand up to hours of dissection. Yeah. Of, of yeah, it's good stuff. It's good <laughs> stuff. Anyway, okay. Yeah, and so I watched the documentary on just, it was talking about the, uh, it was a little uh, behind the scenes, and he was talking about just the, the, the visual representation in the movie. And yeah. that was one of the things they talked about, what's that craziest house looked. But anyway, so, moves to Newtown, doctor visits, uh, comes doctor in. Doctor finds him. Yeah, yeah, comes in, and he's talking to him and everything. And uh, that's when he shows him all the letters. He has like the fucking closet full of the letters. Closet full of it's not fan mail. It's well, no, it's people. Want, yeah, people want like come just, find my daughter. Yeah, uh, you know it's yeah. Work your magic. Oh, uh, it's like people just asking. He's he's like I know what all of them want. They all want something. They all want this and that. So he talks to him and everything, and then he talked to him about. That's when he just says that he's been looking at the some psychic hmm. pair. Uh, paraphernalia phenomenon <laughs> <laughs> phenomenon and everything and that's when he's like you know talking about how he's starting to look kind of rough and everything I got all this psychic paraphernalia <laughs> I got a lot right that's when yeah the doctor comes and he's like you're 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 dying you're killing yourself <laughs> when you do this and then well he leaves and this is where we really ramp up to the end of the movie Roger Stewart he was yeah the uh, a wealthy man drives on his super crazy Rolls Royce with yeah. the driver to talk to Johnny, because basically he, what Johnny's been doing is running a like a tutoring home, mm-hmm. and it didn't make money because he, he can't be a teacher anymore or whatever, you know. Yeah. Uh, so he's doing this, and basically he's telling him that his son is kind of introverted and he needs to come out of his shell. He needs help, and you know he's basically like, "Will you at least come meet him?" So he's like, "Okay." So he sends the driver for him, goes to his son who is Chris, not Will, as I said earlier. I think Chris. And uh, yeah. he goes to meet Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when he first shows up at, at the Stewart house, this is where we get introduced to uh, Greg Stilson. Yes. For the first time. Because he's talking to him, is basically uh, Roger Stewart is, uh, has lots of money. So. Cam- he wants him to campaign donor. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he wants some money to help him uh, you know, run. And the thing with Stilson is uh, he's super populist. He's uh, he's he's the man's man. He's that's his whole thing. He's trying to get elected. Is like he knows what people need. He's the for the working man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, but he's a total sleazy piece of shit yeah. right off the bat. There's no hiding that. Yeah. Well, he meets him for the first time. Uh, he does not do an actual touch. He gives him the he slides in the button. So, he puts he puts his campaign button in yeah. his hand. So so there isn't yeah. any touch in there. Or whatever. We're introduced to him and uh, basically his sidekick Sonny. He's kind of his, his like I guess his, his goon. Yeah, his his dude <laughs> that does the things, uh, and he meets him. And basically, Stuart and uh, Johnny have a uh, conversation about how you need to be friends with him because he's a possibility he could win. But I don't trust him. He's a horrible piece of shit. Don't get you too know? close. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and he talks about him or whatever. But and that then, also just solidifies what you already suspect about yeah. Silson's character when yeah. you've got. You know, everyone around him going, "Ugh, this guy's yeah. a fucking creep." But yeah. you know, we're gonna play ball. Well, and then uh, we meet Chris, who's the uh, the son, 
who we find out is actually not as introverted. It's just he's like he's like my dad's the one who lives in a bubble, not he's, me. He's a pretty normal kid. Yeah, he just uh, I think he just doesn't like the life he has or whatever. His dad's yeah. kind of a jerk, I guess, and whatever. He's he's sort of an isolated rich kid, mm-hmm. and that's all. It's just what's been projected on him. Yeah, and now is is mirrored back at his dad as yeah. you know his son being. I believe in Weird. the in the book he is younger and has dyslexia and a bunch of problems, right? He actually There's has, something else. He has actual, yeah, cuz like, the kid in the movie is probably like 13 or so, yeah. 12 or 13, but I think it is a younger kid in the movie. Yeah, and, and there know. are some actual like um I think the big thing he has dyslexia is one of his big things. Yeah, I believe I, I feel like that, that sounds right. In, yeah, but and all that and everything, There's but, actually a, a hurdle in his learning process yeah. that makes more sense for Johnny to be tutoring him. Right. But this, you know, this is just like, I want you to bring him out of his shell. Yeah, like, and just it winds up the kid is Take him to fine. fucking Chuck E. Cheese yeah. or something, man. He'll be all right. So they meet. They become buddies pretty much. I mean, that's really, uh, there's really not much happens with that until later. Cut to the scene where you see um, a man that we've never seen before. His name is apparently Brenner. He's, Brenner, a, he's one the, of the, the reporter. The, the writer, yeah, or yeah. The, the journalist. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The reporter guy is going into his office, and then you see Sonny and Stilson are in there. Because this is where you find out that uh, Stilson is kind of a shit brick. Well, he's going to, again, reinforce what you already suspect. He's going to show his true colors. Yeah. He's a, a real piece of shit. He's, yeah. been, he's been surveilling the uh, the reporter. Yeah. And they got some dirt on him. Yeah, because the Brenner is going to run a story about how much he doesn't like Stilson. And, and he's Stilson like, can't handle that. Mm-hmm. And he's like... Uh, he <laughs> a can't, negative he, editorial he piece. He, can't, he may tweet about it if uh, if he does not. If you run that, I'm going to tweet you. Hint, hint. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so he basically shows hint, that... Hint, Stilson reminds, <laughs> reminds us of. So he winds up... Uh, basically, he had set it up to where a girl met him at a bar, and then they hook up, and then they took a bunch of pictures. Got he's the, like this. Yeah. She's like, that girl you hung out with is not your wife. And, you know, we know... I and, do kind of love Sonny's... React when he's got the picture of his wife in one hand and the picture of the girl in the other, and he's looking at him. He's like, "I don't think that looks like your wife." It's yeah. it's kind of funny. It's a little bit of a little bit of business there. Yeah. A little, well, like, little comic relief. But, but the thing is, is like, well, yeah, he basically he's just like, unless you you don't run that story, I'm gonna let the you know, I'm and gonna, it's a big deal. So the guy apparently runs, you know, pulls the story and everything. So, um, so yeah, you find out that or whatever, and then so he has sleazy practices, which you know yeah. by this point it's not really that surprising, but. Yeah, it's and, solidified anyway now. And then um, we cut to a scene where I didn't realize this till the end um, of the scene, actually, is you cut to Chris with with Johnny doing uh, just a tutoring session, uh-huh. but they're at Johnny's house. And apparently in front of Johnny's house, there's a gigantic fucking Stilson for Senate uh, just, billboard just, just to make sure that Johnny house. doesn't miss yeah. who this fucking guy is. They're building a fucking uh, giant podium billboard, yeah. and a giant billboard and a place for him to like, a campaign stop. Yeah, basically. apparently he's going to have directly a rally across the street. right there across the street. So it's a Stilson yeah. campaign rally. But with the giant on, billboard facing Johnny's yeah. front door for some reason. Yeah. Well, knock on the door. Can't miss it. It's a person named Walt who we have not seen before. And uh-huh. he's like, oh, uh, you heard about Greg Stilson? And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, kind of. And he's like, oh, well, he's like, he's a popular. Tell, tell him, he's like, apparently he's a big fan of his. And he's like, can we give you some literature? He's like, sure. And then he's like, honey, bring me some literature. Guess and what? who is it? It's Sarah. It's Sarah. So she walks up. She's like, hi, Johnny. So you she's out canvassing for yeah. this fucking creep. Yeah, she doesn't know. She I doesn't mean, know. She, she doesn't know. But, you know. 
But does she? She should know. I don't know. I don't know. Is I mean, she it, complicit? It's the 80s. No internet. What is has he, has he grabbed the lady's vagina? Is that vagina? the excuse? Has he grabbed the lady's vagina on a bus? We would not know. Without the internet, we would never know. I mean, there's no recordings out there. He's blackmailing everybody. I will, to backtrack, three minutes. Okay. <laughs> before, Walt? Yes. Walt comes to the door? The husband, yeah. What What does uh, What does Johnny have Christopher reading? The Raven? He's reading Lenore. Yeah. Which is another. I mean, I'm sorry, yeah. I, I know it's part, yes. Yeah, so yeah. it opens with, I don't know, I just think it, it's an interesting little nod yeah. to Edgar Allan. Anyway, yes. it didn't go unnoticed that there's a couple Poe pieces in yeah. there and several references to Sleepy Hollow. Yes. Anyway. Well, anyway, Sarah comes up to me, hi, Johnny. Uh, <laughs> you're looking real good. And he's like, yeah, cool, cool, whatever. And he's like, this is my husband, Walt. Oh, great, cool, great. And she's like, all right, see you later. And then as soon as they walk away, he fucking loses it. He has a little breakdown, yeah. yeah. He, excuse me, he cries. And then... Uh, I think meeting Walt was a little too much. Yeah, and then Chris is like, what's the matter, Johnny? What's the matter? <laughs> what's the matter, mister? And then he... Uh, <laughs> now, I'm going to go ahead and say, he grabs him and kind of yeah. squeezes him in. Chris is like... What are you doing it's, to me? It's a little it's, weird. I mean, I understand. He's sad, and they're friends, you know, whatever. But uh, yeah, it was just like they you are. Put, you got to put a little space in between. They them, are but friends, anyway. but that's a it's a hard hug. That's a slippery slope, friend. Yes, it's a hard hug. <laughs> he may have me tooed, Chris. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, uh, yeah. So they. Oh yeah. And then uh, during the hug, is that when he has the hockey vision, and when he's hugging him? Yes. He, okay. he touches Chris's hand, and, and then it's that afternoon they're, they're slated okay. to go have the hockey yeah, game. Yeah, they're going to have the hockey game because uh, Roger Stewart is apparently the coach, owns whatever, his junior hockey team or whatever. Well, he's he's making a team for, yeah. for his yeah. son. So he can make friends or whatever because apparently yeah. he's a little out of his shell, I guess, whatever. I don't know. But anyway, so he tells him, he's like, don't go on the ice. There's, it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. And he's like, okay, fine. And so the he touches ice is going to break. Right. The ice is going to break. I don't have a good walk in either, but that's the yeah. best you're going to get well, out of me. He touches Chris's hand, and he's like, okay, it's fine, because he doesn't have another vision. He has changed. Mm-hmm. So, oh, so I'm going to slap this microphone a little bit. He has so, changed what Chris's p- yeah. future will be. So basically he winds up, uh, Chris goes home, and his dad's just like, Screw it, we're still going to play hockey. So it was like, what? So, But Chris refuses to play. So therefore, Chris... Play. He trusts Johnny. But that's doesn't. also... Which I, I guess you're probably about to point out. Sorry yeah. if you are. It's also when Johnny realizes that he can see the future and he can also change it. Yeah. So when he talks Christopher's dad out of having them play hockey, he touches yeah. Chris again and he doesn't... There's, yeah. there's no drowning scene. Yeah. So he realizes now, like, the kind of a little further extent of the power. Yeah. Yeah, so he can manipulate the future. Yeah. Well. Which, obviously, at the end of the movie becomes very, it's the central point, yeah. really, yeah. Well, for some reason, Stuart decides, even though, I mean, I don't want to show no one, no one has, I mean, he, he researched Johnny, he knows what he can do, but yet he's like, I don't, whatever. So he's like, uh, no, you're still going to play hockey. And Chris is like, yeah. well, I'm not going to play hockey. So yeah. he refuses. Yeah. But still, two of the kids wind up drowning yeah. because his dad's a fucking ass, and they wind up dr- uh, drowning, and uh, so he still feels horribly bad, and that basically, at this part of the movie, we leave those characters behind. We mm-hmm. move on to softly Act 3, I guess, which is really guess, pretty much yeah. full-blown Stilson, pretty yeah. much the rest of the movie. That's the rest of the, the flick, yes. yeah. 
So basically this whole time we've been getting these little builds up with his little run-ins with uh, Greg Stilson here and there, whether or not be the first run-in at the Stewart house and then with uh, Walt and Sarah canvassing for him and everything. So they finally have the rally that has been apparently building up across from his fucking house for well, like the entire a month movie or they've been setting up this one little stage, mm -hmm. but that's all right. But I'm pretty sure that he uh, I'm pretty sure the real reason he really went over there is because he knew Sarah was there. I mean, let's let's call mm -hmm. let's call you know what it is. It, he went over there because he knew Sarah was going to be there. Well, he's wandering around, and you know, I mean, he's looking for her. Yeah. I assume. Yeah, he knows that she'll she'll be there. And then about this time is when Stilson rolls up in his car, gets out, and he you know he's shaking hands, kissing babies, doing all that business. Oh, he's he's kissing a lot of babies, a lot of ladies, a lot of politicking. Yeah, and he walks up and he grabs Johnny's hand, and we have the fucking like <sighs> fucking the shake, and uh, it, that fucking scene and yeah. the like. What, they're in like the war room yeah and uh, and he's talking about this is my destiny basically yeah. which is to nuke Russia yep that's and, the implication yeah, yeah. and yeah. then the, I don't uh, think they ever say it but it it's somehow implied in another yeah. point but anyway he's well, he's ready thing to is, yeah, push he's the gonna, big red button he's gonna let him fly and yeah. he makes the uh, basically his general he's like if you don't I'm gonna cut your hand off and do it yeah. myself he's threatening him so they instigate the missiles, and at that point, you hear a knock at the door. They walk in, he's like, don't worry, we've got a diplomatic solution. He's we like, too bad, the missiles are in the sky, and he's yeah. happy about it. He oh, he's not, fucking giddy. He is not, uh, <laughs> he, he is, he's like, this is my destiny. He's going to be the guy that, whatever the fuck, world peace? I don't, whatever. Uh, whatever his, yeah. But uh, he, he, this is all Johnny's vision, and then at the end, he like fucking lets him go and whatever. And then flash forward to his meeting with the doctor. This is his final meeting with the doctor. And they have the whole conversation of like, if you could go back to, and kill Hitler. If you could go back to Germany in 1930, whatever, and meet a young Hitler, would you kill him? And the doctor says, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yes. after Johnny. The doctor does not, does not do the whole, no. No, the doctor's like, yeah, straight the fuck yeah, Even up. after Johnny says, you know, you'll probably get killed yourself in the process. Yeah. And the doctor's like, yeah, no, let's yeah. fucking kill him, yeah. Yeah, the doctor's like, yes, I, I would have done it. Like, but yeah. that's sort of, you can see it's it's Johnny, this that internal battle, I guess. Uh, you know, is he paranoid? Is he, or is he like an oracle? You mm -hmm. know, it, it seems to be a fine line, and he's having trouble kind of reconciling. Yeah. It, it seems to me, anyway. He's like, am I crazy? Or yeah. if, if this guy's potentially a Hitler, like, you'd kill him, right? Yeah. And like Because he knows this guy's going to bring an end to the world, basically. I mean, he's seen it, and he knows his visions are pretty much spot the fuck And he on. also knows now that he can affect yeah. that future. Yeah. So basically, this brings us to the climax of the movie. Basically, you see him in the car, he's got his gun. He goes and gets his, he's going to the, his dad's uh, gun. I yeah, guess, he's going yeah. to... Some church rally, and I guess another it's, town. They're in. Where does it say on the bus? Cambridge. Maybe that makes sense. I Cambridge think it, the way he pulls up in the bus and it's got. Oh yeah, anyway. that's right. Yeah. Well, yeah. he shows up. Anyway, they're still in New England, of course. <laughs> and I will say that this scene in the book is fantastic. It really is because this is not like he stays in it for like a day or so. He like sits up, up there yeah. in the balcony for long period of time. more than a day. Yeah, and but, in the movie, they can't get into all that yeah. you know so it just shows him going into the church and then he wakes up the next yeah. morning kind of leaning against the banister and then also with the make the change of the movie 
uh, Sarah is involved in the end of it, which works really well. They did a good it job. It works well. I Bohm did a great job of working this in. I think it works very I well. I approve because mm-hmm. I think in the in the book it was just like a random, random. Yep. lady with a random kid. Yeah, but then it you know, Cronenberg or uh, Bohm kind of yeah. raises the stakes because yeah. it's it's her kid. Yeah, and it's her. You know. Well, basically, what it is he goes to this Cambridge rally. Uh, he's decided he's going to murder him. He's mm-hmm. like, I got, I can change the future. The shit's got to fucking change if it. If I because, pop this guy in the head, yep. then it's going to save millions of lives. And already he knows he's on the way out because the whole time this movie's been happening, he's been deteriorating. The doctor says you're not getting any better. Yeah. They basically decided he's going to die anyway. So he's like, so well, let's like do it. Whatever. Sacrificing yeah. himself. He knows that he's going to get killed yeah. in the process of trying to assassinate. Yeah. Yeah, Stilson. So, so he he decides it's going to happen. So. During the process, also, Walt, Sarah, and Benny, no, Denny, the baby, are at the rally. And oh, for some right. random reason, Stilson's like, oh, what's the baby? Bring him on up on the stage. Well, I like so, this baby. Bring him on up here. So Sarah and the baby and everybody are on the stage behind him. He's doing his whole spiel, uh, how he's uh, other people and shit. But this is a man who does push-ups several times at rallies. That's show, right. How, how, how much of a man. 100 push-ups to yeah. prove what? See, I'm a... I'm a strong working guy yeah. like all of you. I'm a populist. Um, yeah. So anyway, during this, he's doing his whole spiel. Johnny pops up and decides to shoot at him. Uh, he's this kind is of, by, it's a, shoots real wide. Yeah. Well, I think he's kind of thrown off because he sees Sarah. He's he does. Not, he's he not sees she's there. He sees her. He pops the shot, catches the side of the podium. And what, is, uh, and what does Stilson do? Go ahead. Well, he yanks the baby out of Sarah's hand and uses him as a human shield. Yes, which anybody would do. Yeah. I don't, This is where I think the movie goes off the rails. I don't understand yeah. what the problem is here. Anyway, I mean, baby, whatever. I can't baby. even say it. I've got a baby now. I can't say it. Before, I would make a really crass joke about that, but I got a nine-month-old at home. Anyway, I have a six-year-old, and I would not use the human shield. Yeah, he's not no. big enough to shield shit. To be honest, he's well, neither is Denny. Denny. Denny, Denny, yeah, he's Denny, not he's not yeah. a very effective shield. But it's not really. It's the act itself that well, is going to ruin Stilson. What I find so funny, we're going to talk about baby for a second. Cronenberg had two babies play the part of Denny. The first one was a I very agreeable, it. very joyful baby. And the, the second, second one, one cried the entire time. They got a super irritable baby. The baby cried the whole time. Like they purposely yeah. got a baby that was not a happy baby all the time. Well, it makes sense, I guess. Was yeah. that intentional to have a grumpy baby? Yes, he purposely okay. got a baby because it's was it way is more a, irritable than the first baby. It's a loud, crazy environment. Mm-hmm. Like the baby would be crying, but that first kid that falls asleep mm-hmm. at at Johnny's house, they look nothing alike. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it's supposed to be like what a year later or something. I don't know, but but yeah. But anyway, that whole thing. The kid. <laughs> no, you can justify it if you want, but those kids are like completely different. Yeah. Well, the thing was. Um, <laughs> Well, the thing is, like, but they, the whole attempt, that the attempt, so it's she's wide, he grabs the baby, he's holding yeah. him or whatever, and so Johnny straight up gets shot. Yeah, well, <laughs> he everything. freezes, what do you yeah. do? He's not going to shoot, you know. Yeah, so he gets shot, he falls down. Uh, the cool thing about it, though, is, like, when he gets shot, I don't know if you noticed this, I don't know who set up the squib shot or whatever for it, but when he gets shot, it goes through his chest, through the fucking light behind him is a giant globe, and it shatters the globe. I did not know. Dude, it is that. fantastic. But yeah, he shoots him, it goes I through his chest, the fucking glass goes, and I'm like, dude, that is great. Whoever did the effects of the squib work, 
But yeah, okay. they straight shoot I'm him. Gonna, when I get when we get when I get home tonight, I'm gonna yeah, watch totally, that scene again. The light just goes. But anyway, he that. falls down. So Stilson runs up. And he's like, "Who sent you?" And he's grabbing him, and he touches his hand, and he sees Stilson basically in uh, what was revealed to me by Cronenberg was in a hotel room uh, that they had rented, put up black sheets behind it, and it's just him with a stand and a bed. There's a Newsweek saying that his critical career is completely it's over. A, it's a still shot of him holding, holding the that baby. Goddamn baby. Holding that fucking baby up. And, and for some reason, over. that kills his career. I don't know. Anyway. I, uh, I guess the voters don't like... Babies. <laughs> no, they do like babies. Oh, sorry. Uh, anyway, the babies. So, but yeah. And so, anyway, he eats a bullet. That's He basically... Yeah. And he's like, it's over, whatever. So, he's like... So, Johnny doesn't have to kill him mm-hmm. to end it. Yeah. But he still dies in the process. And yes. then Stilson's still going to kill himself. Yeah. But Johnny doesn't have that blood on his hands. Yeah. So it's sort of, it's a nice touch. I don't know. I don't know. And the ending scene, to me, is what I like to call the Han Solo, where he, uh. Uh, Sarah reaches <laughs> down and hugs him. She's like, I love you. And he says, goodbye. Not, goodbye. I know. I and know. he says goodbye. Yeah. And he dies. Uh, and credits roll. And that's pretty much it. That's um, it. They did tell me that that was not the original ending. They were originally going to have it where he's buried... Uh, it shows Sarah. She's over everything. She's visiting his grave or whatever. It really didn't make sense. But it was the most. No, I think the movie ends at, at just the right point. Oh yeah, no, uh, I think that's much, uh, much better. And that's um, more or less where the book. The book doesn't go on really after that. No, I don't think a like lot once of Johnny dies, that's a wrap. More, yeah. I think. Yes, yeah, it's, it's been a couple years. Yeah, but I. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. But yeah, but other than that, I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, so that's the dead zone. Yes, that's the dead zone. The movie, yeah. The movie. I mean, other than that, let's see. What else do I really have notes on or anything in particular that I wanted to address? Other than the fact that originally um, Stephen King wanted Bill Murray to play Johnny, that was his choice. Oh man, that would have been a totally different. He wanted. uh, He wanted that very much so. Instead of uh, (laughs) that was his uh, choice, and the producer of this movie was. Halloween's own Deborah Hill. Yep. Which is fantastic. She's the one that actually, I guess, approached Cronenberg to do the movie. Okay. Because she had seen Videodrome and really enjoyed it. Yeah. And it was like, and he said he was not, uh, when approached, he said, I was not in the mood to write anything new, but I was fine with doing someone else's property. And so, oddly, um, that, um, Dead Zone was the first film that Cronenberg had made that he didn't write. Yeah. So I think that, yeah, that so that, that jives. It sort of, he was, because uh, he had done, like I said, a number of short films through the 70s, probably like six or seven. What was the one, uh, what did he do, what was it, Sliver? Is that the one where they all, uh, six slugs? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that was late 70s? Yeah. Something like 70s? I don't know. But he had done all this this early stuff that he had written, produced, directed, yeah. and even Videodrome. You know, he wrote that, and he wrote, um, what, what was the one we were talking about? The Scanners. Yeah. Um, he wrote that, and... So I, I guess Dead Zone was a little bit of a break for him if all yeah. he had to do was direct. But also, think about the, the climate of film in 1983. Like, mm-hmm. there's almost no one better suited than Cronenberg to make yeah. this movie. Yeah. I mean, unless you've got, like, a, a John Carpenter or, yeah. or someone like that. But Cronenberg was... I mean, Scanners was a hit. Videodrome yeah. was a hit. By, by their own measure, um, you know, not box office yeah. huge, but... They put him on the map, but he was still enough of an up-and-coming director to kind of tackle a a bigger project. I don't. Yeah. I mean, Dead Zone had a ten million dollar budget. I doubt the other movies he did 
had anything close to that. No, I imagine Videodrome probably <laughs> no, half if that. No, Scanner's the same, but I think he was the right guy at the right place at yeah. the right time to make uh, a fantastic Stephen King I also King feel adaptation. like with him, too, is like him being a Canadian director, and they have a lot of the ability to kind of do a lot of things. As long as they have Canadian actors, yeah, they can do a lot, and I think it kind of helped, because this probably would have been, if they'd have filmed it in, in Maine, yeah. Or wherever it would probably have been a twenty million dollar movie or whatever. But I don't know. I think yeah, like I said, I, it's 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 very uncronenberg. Like I said, the body horror aspect is not there. And that's what he's doing. It's I mean, not, but he had he fully de- you know, he hadn't really yeah. fully developed that. Well I guess with scanners. Well yeah, I mean scanners I mean but, and then the fly was he just let it loose. Fucking the fly. Well even the fly was what, two or three years later? Yeah, but I mean but he, he was really like fully in his own by then. Yeah. And fucking Jeff Goldblum. Man. Yeah. Gina Davis. Jeff Gina Goldblum, Davis, yeah. But, um, let's shit. see. What else did, uh, let's see, yeah. So, anyway, Bill Murray. I don't know. We'll that see. would have been interesting. I mean, Bill can do... Did you ever watch the, the show? The Dead Zone no, the television show? Michael, what's his name? I heard Hall. it was... It, uh, Michael Anthony Michael Hall? Hall. Yeah, yeah, I heard it was... It, it was it's, it's good. I mean, I guess it stretched out much more. Well, I saw I, it on uh, one of the, the streaming I mean, it's on it's Roku two, Channel or some shit now. two or seasons? Like, what it might they? be three now, I think. I think they did, made it in three. I think, well, they had two seasons on Amazon, I think mm-hmm. it was. But yeah, they're very, you know, it could be three seasons. How are they stretching that shit? Unless they're short uh-huh. seasons. I mean, they're probably, they're just... it's probably just the adventures of what he does, you know, I would imagine. Maybe he, <sighs> maybe he solves murders. I don't know. Are they, I, have I, they gone rogue and they're just maybe like, I need to go watch it. It's a new story every week, like a fucking like quantum leap All right. thing. So, so that's the dead zone. So uh, uh, you got. I got a few. Are, I got are a we few gonna, things. We yeah. gonna plug some stuff. Well, no, I got a few things I want to ask you since we're on King. This okay, is, yeah. Like, yeah. Let's do it. Like, I said, we'll, we'll come. We'll do another King thing later on. I, I don't feel, see I how we was, can't. I felt like this was a good one movie because you know we had talked several different topics, but this was a good starter. We talked about doing what Reiner. We had talked about um, doing, yeah, we talked about basically doing uh, Misery and um, Stand By Me. Stand By Me. Which which, are the non creepy I mean, Misery's not horror, but definitely creepy. Definitely creepy, but Stand By Me, I mean, it's just, Mm -hmm. it's a a great great coming of age story. Yeah, fantastic. Done in Portland, Maine, instead of of, uh, Maine, Maine. It's I mean, uh, uh, Portland, Oregon instead of Portland, Maine. I mean, the only um, thing that makes it distinctly king is that they find a dead body. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they're, you know. Well, it's just like all the ones, the different seasons, you know, they made. I mean, those are all not really, you know, horror-esque, you right. know, or whatever. Uh, At Pupil's just fucking weird. And, uh, you know, um, Shawshank Redemption. You know, mm-hmm. um, we'd also talk about doing Darabont, which would be The Mist, yeah. Dolores Claiborne, Shawshank, mm-hmm. and Green Mile. Which is a hell of a spread. Yeah, man. It's, uh, Green Mile's so fucking good. Yeah, it is. It's <laughs> so good. I mean, like, I mean, everything on that that he's talked about, I enjoy. I mean, I like Darabont yeah. anyway. But, uh, I, do, I do, too. Yeah. All right, so here, I've got one question for you. What you got? I got things I didn't give you in in, in advance because, you know. Are we doing a lightning things. round here? Well, no, no, no. These questions? are just things. Okay. This is just things I always, I've talked to other people about this, and I want to hear your uh, thing. Anyway, other than, one, what brought you to King in general? Like, you just, I, I feel like you're a reader in general. Uh, yeah. Is King uh, yeah. your main go-to for reading, or are you across the board on stuff? Um, I'm very much... Ac- yeah, I'm across the board. Yeah. I, I, I kind of float back and forth between fiction and non-fiction, horror. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll go through periods of 
19th century, yeah. you know, Victorian romance. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's whatever kind of catches me at the time. But Steve, Steve, I'm just calling him Steve, <laughs> Steve now. Steve, uh, my friend at work that calls yeah. him Uncle Steve. Yeah. Um, Stephen King has always been a constant, though. Well, I shouldn't say always, because it took me a long time to come to him. I read Stephen King when I was a teenager. Yeah. Um, just checking it out, and I just thought, I thought it was cool. Yeah. I read Pet Cemetery. I read, what else did I read back then? Probably tried to read The Stand. Yeah. But I read a couple of his books, mm-hmm. and then I kind of set him aside, and I made, uh, I went to college, and I got, I got my uh, literature degree, and for some reason, King just sort of lingered in the background of everything else as being like popular fiction. Mm-hmm. And I sort of, it sounds crazy to me to say it now, but I sort of wrote him off like, oh, he, I know, don't, isn't this it guy weird? cranks out a book a year. He's a hack. Like, you know, yeah. and then, uh, probably nine years ago or yeah. so, probably when I was about 30, yeah, I read, I was like, all right, well, you know, he's hugely popular and it's gotta be for a reason, he, yeah. you know, um, then I read The Shining. Yeah. And I was like, I get it. This yeah. guy is fucking amazing. And then I just tore through everything. Yeah. Um, very early on in those years is when I read Salem's Lot, too. And that's yeah. the one that he really, really got his fingers into me. And I was mm-hmm. like, this guy, he, I'm, I'm, I'm with you for life, Uncle Steve. How are you on the Tower series? Um, I never finished it. Oh, for real? Oddly. Um, I've read the first four books probably twice yeah <laughs> and i just um i don't i don't have a good excuse for that yeah i just you get sidetracked with other things and yeah. i don't know um i uh i i'm a person i know people will like what i, I I'm, <laughs> I'm a bit firm believer in audiobooks my job is i know this is, about is pretty you. much driving yeah so and then when i used to work when I was at this place, you met Toys R Us. Uh-huh. You know, I, I, I remember years. such a place. Every Christmas, I would have to work third. And every year, I would pick uh, a tower book. Because okay, you can yeah. do a tower book in a season. They're that fucking long. So I've actually made it through all eight. I even did the yeah, wind, the, the, wind the keyhole. And, the yeah. Keyhole, yeah. and, uh, and then from there, I because that was actually the first stuff I read, really got into. And then I started reading affiliate tower books like eyes of the dragon oh, and stuff like that yeah, yeah, but yeah. then uh i started filling in the holes of like well what have i not and then i started with carrie worked my way forward and everything uh-huh. and all that and uh anything novella wise it's great because you can just like like lately i've been doing uh nightmares and dreamscapes because oh, it's fantastic from the libby app because i'll just yeah, yeah. Oh, check it out dude, from the I library the app, check it out from yeah. library and just when i have calls i just listen to whatever i personally think batman and robin get an altercation is one of the best fucking stories ever his uh man his collections are typically i mean they're all fantastic but yeah. nightmares and dreamscapes i think might be have you read the audio uh, read have you heard the, have I read audio the book? Audio? yeah uh no i've read the great that. thing about it is he is on the audio in between discussing them but then different people read each Oh, uh, I'm gonna have to get so, that. So, yeah, uh, Mayor Winningham it. reads one. Um, it's a I can't remember. It's a thunder. Each story is a different person. Okay. Which Mayor Winningham also did the uh, what's the fucking? Uh, it's not the. It's uh, crap. It's the the gingerbread girl. She oh. she read that one. She's great. She does a really good job of his books. I'm gonna have to get. I'm gonna have to get that audio book. Um, yeah. But yeah, his collections, man, they're great. Well, that's. Uh, what is uh what are we just talking about nineteen twenty two oh um was that full dark the no, full dark yeah yeah, yeah mm-hmm. with the four novellas yeah but that and I just within the last year I just tore through uh what was it bizarre of bad dreams mm-hmm. 
His his short fiction is amazing. Yeah. His long fiction is amazing. Different his, seasons. His son's different fiction season is amazing. Is for the best stories ever. Also, different, different seasons, seasons is yeah. fantastic. Uh, Four after midnight, mm-hmm. like all of just. Because the only one out of different seasons they haven't made is that what reading methods the only one they never made yeah. into an actual movie. The right? other three are all yeah. dude. They yeah, at filmmakers. People, Shawshank and yeah. You know, I but it's cool, man. He does that whole like book thing where he lets anyone who's I a was student just film. to say yeah, that that's the best when thing. I was taking a um, a screenwriting class in college, and our professor told us about that. That if you are, and I assume that that this you know offer still stands with him. No, it does. I if you um, if you are enrolled in a film program, you can essentially buy the rights to film one of his books for mm-hmm. one dollar. Yeah, he's. That's, that's how him and, that's how here and Dar- him and Darabont became that whole thing. Is that where yeah. that spawned from? Yeah, because okay. he pulled one of his uh, one of his short stories. I think he I think he bought one of his short stories to make for a dollar. Basically, yeah. what it is. It's amazing. Which, King just wants his stuff out there. I, just, I mean, uh, I think he's. He I, I mean, kinda... it's his. Uh, it's the year of King. That fucker cannot. Everything. That he what does he have? About made. fifteen movies coming out this year. <laughs> I mean, this year alone. Well, what do we got? We got Castle Rock is coming back. I guess. Yeah, Castle Rock season. Well, two just finished. Season okay, two so just Castle finished. Rock came back, and then you had it, it one part, and two. It one and two last year. Uh, um, Doctor Sleep. Doing the Outsider now. HBO. Yeah, it's is. on right now. Um, uh, they did. Uh, Fuck man, Gerald's game happened within the last few years. Netflix did Gerald's game. 1922 and in the Tall Grass just got put out. And a good marriage. Yeah, and in the Tall Grass. Yeah, just did that. He just he can't lose, man. Yeah. But I think that's that's. But just I think a wonderful people. But I think him. people are taking his stuff seriously. That's the thing. Before I think he has just made he's stuff. really come back into fashion. Um, and I think there was a lull because I think there was a lull in maybe yeah. his writing. But now he's like. One after the other, just knocking them out of the park. But the thing is, also, if you watch his stuff from, like, through the 80s, 90s, for example, like Pet Cemetery and Cujo, those are very, very genre movies. You know, I mean... Oh, for sure. But they're fantastic. They're I great. love the original Pet Cemetery. I have the not original watched Pet the Cemetery? One. Dude, I tried. I haven't I watched, watched it. about 30 minutes of it, and I was like, I don't think I can do this. <laughs> it, but I actually won't watch it because of the child aspect. She just, like, she's like, I can't watch it. There's well, a kid in it. She's did she watch real- the first one? Uh, I don't know if she's ever watched it or not. You know what? Actually, I watched. Uh, I kind of understand that because I yeah. watched Pet Cemetery with Kaylee. Um, for those who don't know, my wife when she was pregnant with our son, yeah. and I was like, "Oh, you've never seen Pet Cemetery? We should watch Pet Cemetery." Yeah. And like halfway through it, she was like, "Why would you show me this right now?" Yeah. And I'm just fucking. I'm a dumbass. I'm not thinking about it. Yeah. She's like, "You know, I'm pregnant with our son. <laughs> yeah. Why are you showing this to me?" That I was, was going to name Gage. <laughs> Right, and I was like, because it's a great movie. She's like, the kid just got crushed by a truck. I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, I, I, see, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I understand. I am dumb. <laughs> I get it. I yeah. get it. But King has always been such a good sport about, well, everything but The Shining. I think King is <laughs> I, I think King is just an all-around swell guy. I think he just likes having his stuff out there. The fact yeah. that he would give a, a film student full rights to shoot one of his books for a dollar well I'll, I'll, i think he probably enjoys saying like what well, yeah mm-hmm. here's the here's the rights to film it what are you gonna do with it yeah. i want to see it like well, you be, know what's crazy about it also i find great and I, I i'm sorry i did not prepare for this beforehand hmm. but there was some movie that they got licensed of his to film i think in ohio or something years okay. ago um because you know stephen king has three children he has the two writers so there's joe and uh joe hill Owen King. Yeah. There's a third one, right? Does he have a third writer son? Right? What's the other one? I want to say he's got three kids. I know Joe and Owen. Well, I know he has a daughter. 
So is it Joe, Owen, and the daughter? Well, I know he has a daughter. Does he have three Rogers children? Because I know he has Owen, Joe Hill. Who's the other one? Because it's Joe Hillebrand King. Joe Hillebrand, yeah. Hill, yeah. Hillebrand King. All right. Well, anyway. What are he, your thoughts on Joe Hill? I uh, know I'm getting off. off yeah. So I think he's fantastic. No, I, I got to stop smacking no, this No, I, I, I think he's fine. The stuff, a little bit I've read, I've enjoyed and everything. And apparently yeah. he's the hot shit now, too, because they said Lock and Key is on Netflix Lock now. Lock and Key is on Netflix, and that yeah. was the graphic novel he did. And they which said is Nosferatu. Nosferatu. Which I haven't seen, but it's on Shudder. Yeah, AMC did Nosferatu. Mm-hmm. Um, something else he wrote got got greenlit. But anyway, anyway, uh, filming in Ohio. What, filming, do you remember what it was? I cannot remember. But okay. he pulled the rights because of the the city, not city, the state's gay rights issue. They had good they, man. They had they had a lot of shit that he was like, "No, nah, you can't do my property if you're going to be this shitty of a person," because his daughter him, uh, is, is gay. And so he okay. takes it very seriously, you know, and everything. And he's always been, well, you know, like, he's always cried liberal tears as we like, you know. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know. But it's but it's one thing to cry those tears. It's another thing to back it up. Yeah. And, That's uh, the thing he totally pulled. He's like, no, he pulled the whole thing out because you can't do it here. Because they were all set to film and everything. And it was just like, they had some arcane policies, like fucking, he's like, nah, man, I'm not doing this. If you guys are going to be dicks to gay people, we're just going to fucking hit yeah, the road. Yeah, like, take it out. He's like, I don't Good. care about your money. So, yeah. but um, Well, he's in a unique position where he really doesn't have to care yeah. about the money. No, he doesn't. He's, he, he's, he's good. He's good. He's, he's good, good for a while. He has, he has a list of whatever. Speaking of, all right, here we go. See? I did. There. We're, I did. We're, I've only done it once. We're both too animated. I've been smacking this microphone. All right. This, this is what I want to ask you because I got my answer. Okay. What King property do you want to see in a film that has not been licensed yet? Like, what thing? Is there anything? I mean, I would love to see. <laughs> it, it wouldn't work. And this is not my answer I have on there. But do you remember the story of the jaunt? No. That's the one where you take the... Uh, they have that... It's it's the thing when you travel and the you have to close your eyes. They're like, don't look, because it's like they're basically tearing through space to travel. It's a real, it's a short story. Okay. It's a family getting on this little shuttle thing. It's called the Jaunt, and basically they bend time and you get through a wormhole to get to another location. But the thing is, you have to you have to wear a mask, and the kid takes his mask off and it fucking shreds him because you oh. can't. Uh, so yes, it would never work. It's an amazing good story because huh. it's so tense because you're like reading it, and you're like. And this kid just like peeks to see what's going on, and like it doesn't happen because you you're going through like a wormhole. You can't really like, rip a kid apart. Yeah, like so it, it's fucked up really. But anyway, my personal favorite would be Joyland. If they would make Joyland okay. as a I was, fucking film, I was actually uh, before we started taping this, I I saw your audio copy of Joyland in there, and it had me thinking like. Mm-hmm. Joyland and Colorado Kid mm-hmm. haven't been made and probably won't be made. Well, Colorado Kid was made in the what was that television show? They had a oh, television show loosely based on it. Okay. Yeah, it I was called that, um, Fuck. My friend Jennifer was getting so pissed because she used to watch it all the time. Um, shit, that's a stupid name. Um, hold on. I'm 100% with you on that. That's, that's well, for one, it's one of the only ones I can think of that hasn't been licensed. Well, the thing about it is. But like, Joyland was so good. The thing about it's such it is a fun the read. Um, Haven. <clears throat> Haven. There's a Haven show called is Haven. Based on... Yes, is based on the. The thing is, it has really nothing to do with that fucking story. Because so she told is... me when she read it. I don't know. She read <laughs> it and said that oh, there's just someone talking about this character that's in the movie for like a second. It's the weakest tie-in ever. But yeah, Haven. Okay. The, the television show was based on the Stephen King. The novel and they did the, let's see they did Mercedes as a series so that's the, that's the series now. So yeah. the Bob Hodges trilogy is in the works. 
But yeah, I just think Joyland, it has that fucking stand by me beginning that's so good. Yeah, and then that second dude, half where it's, it's like so, yeah. the paranormal small little kid. Yeah. And it's just it's such a good book. Like I'm 100% with you on that. I think Joyland I think would be so fucking good. Joyland, and they should go film that shit in Wilmington where it's set. You yeah. Know, and stuff. And they should do it. Oh, man. that's right. Because yeah. he comes down to. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, uh, that could be fantastic. I think it'd be great. I mean, it's just. I mean, right now, because of the time frame of it. And the Stranger Things, like everything about the scenario, I think Joyland would be perfect. They yeah. do it in eighties, nineties style, like yeah, because it's all about a fucking amusement park, you know, all that stuff with a killer running around, you know, like all that thing, and then the whole thing about where he meets the like, woman with uh, the kid. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like the mean, whole second second half, where it's like you know, it's like two two stories in one, you know. Yeah. But yeah, so good. I I loved it. Like, I feel like uh, Adventureland meets. Stranger Things. Yeah, I mean, it just has uh, the thing because it has that kind of creepy air thing in the beginning where, you know, he breaks up his girlfriend Wait. and goes to whatever it's called, Adventureland or whatever, or Joyland. What Joyland. What's yeah. Adventureland's what? Adventureland's Adventureland. Yeah. I, the movie. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, he, he Adventureland gets his, meets. Yeah, well, he moves down because he lives in Jersey or whatever, and he gets a job at Adventureland. I mean, for the Joyland summer. in Wilmington, and he wants to stand down there or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, his but, girl no, tells so him to hit the road. Yeah, yeah, because but oh, and the great uh, I can't remember her name, but the landlady, uh, the the boarding house where he's staying, like she's so yeah, great. Yeah. I know. I just think it would be such. Yeah, a, I think it'd be a great be, movie. I don't know why good. no one. I heard someone talk about like, oh, maybe they'll do it, but I I, don't, I doubt they're I doubt they're going to. Well, damned if they're not making every fucking everything else he's. Someone's written. got the license to it somewhere. I've heard them talk about it, but I don't know when it'll get made. Someone is sitting out there right now, going, "Man, we gotta make it." I bet you, somebody listening to this, they'll be like, "Those guys made a good point." Yeah. Netflix yeah. should just run with it. Why not? Run? They made everything else. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, that, I feel like we've, I think we've covered. We've, uh, we've filled a lot of space. So anyway, so yeah. So anyway, so uh, I guess we did plug things or whatever. So All right. what's a uh, what's t- what's a uh, fucking hard? I was gonna say talk me off. I have talked about talking off stuff all day Are today. You trying to put new, me in a different band? Well, no. Their talk new album came is, out today. Great. Yeah, I saw and that. And I've like I love those 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 peeps. I've been forgetting the shit out of their stuff today. Two great albums came out today. That and there's this band called Crossed. Oh mm-hmm. no, do you from, do you follow the Mega Beach Records? No, they're well, a Canadian not label. Really. They 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 cater more towards grind and heavier music, okay. which I, I I love. And uh, there's a band called Crossed come out. Fucking love it. I've been waiting for it to come out for a while. Uh, Dave Norman. Hey Dave, you're not gonna listen to this, but hey Dave Norman. <laughs> um, like he's been, he dropped a couple tracks, you know, and it's fucking fantastic. It's I don't know, it's really good. I like it a lot. And uh, they finally dropped the full length day and I ordered it. And then, of course, I had already ordered the uh, Talk Me Off thing. Ryan, I want to get Ryan uh, Cacophony on here really bad. Okay. The yeah, bass yeah. player in that band. Because he, him and Holly Fright are super fucking horror nerds. And I just really want to get him on. The problem is being in Richmond. And I don't know how it's going to be as far as... I mean, maybe, maybe I'll take a trip up there one weekend. I don't know. We get to show up there sometimes. But anyway... So what is uh what is Hearts on Fire been doing lately? You guys, you guys, working it out? I know you've got a lineup. We I've do yet have, to see the Joshes. We do have a lineup. We got a, we got an additional Josh. Yeah. Um, we have a new drummer. Josh. For like a year now. <laughs> it's been about that long. Yeah, it's we've been a been, while. We've been taking it easy. Yeah. Uh, I know that sounds like a cop out that all bands say. I mean, like, you had a oh. baby. I had a baby. We got a new drummer. Um, everyone's just got life stuff. Yeah. But we're still very much uh, going strong. We're still practicing every week. We're writing a lot, which is yeah. which is nice. We um, 
I know it's that dreaded, like, sort of that hiatus idea, but truly yeah. we backed off of playing a lot of, um, we started turning down shows, um, just things were too hectic. Yeah. So we, um, we've just, we've still been playing, we've still been writing, we're gearing up to record, uh, up here actually with Matheson, yeah, of course. Of course, um, yeah. We do have one thing on the books. We're going to be at the Tin Roof in Charleston, uh, March 9th, with Voice of Addiction from Boston? Chicago. Um, no, yeah. Voice of Addiction is from Chicago, and uh, Whiskey Warfare okay. from Charleston also. Yeah. So that's the only thing we have on the books. March 9th, um, about 9 o'clock, if anyone yeah. wants to come out and see that. Well, hopefully I'll have this edited and out way, way before March 9th. Well, you got a month, bud. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was the, I mean, I feel like I can make it happen. <laughs> um, but other than that, we're just, we're gearing up to record. Yeah. So that's our next big project. And so in lieu of, like, playing a bunch of shows, we just want to really perfect this new batch of songs we have and mm-hmm. get, them, get them down, get them out there, and then we'll start, we'll start hawking them live. Um, well, all I'm going to say is I really by March 9th like to have this you guys have a cassette come out I do here we have been talking about this yes. now that we're um, both in actually sitting in the same room yes yeah um, there's there's some talk some very serious talk oh no it's uh, we will discuss in a bit uh, yeah. yeah no I'm, I'm ready to get that done basically it's the uh I don't know what the first two years of the band or whatever. You have two EPs, um, give or take. Yeah, no, about one a year. Yeah, basically yeah, two, we're just gonna do a uh, two-year anniversary dual, basically cassette. We have uh, under our belt at the moment. We have two two five-song EPs, and mm-hmm. uh, Dwayne and I, I think, maybe had the same idea around the same time that those two EPs. It's a doggy. Yeah, those two EPs could be uh, sides A and B yeah. of a. Of a cassette tape yeah if anyone remembers those i still buy cassettes though yeah i, I buy a good bit too and uh yeah my label's got a couple things coming out your uh, label what's yes. your label hero support records hero support yeah. records tell it's me weird. more about it's, that it's weird hero support it's kind of it's so weird because the first five things on there were shit that i did band wise you know well, because basically what happened with i don't with think hero that's support, that unusual for someone to start a label just to put their own shit out because well, no one is, else is going to do well, it well this is the thing is like the problem was uh is all the bands I was involved in, uh, whether it be you know Young Tom Fury, which you we've played with, you know, Young during Tom. one of the reunions, Harlem uh, Deltrotters, which you also played with, yeah, uh, a number Turnout. of times. Basically, all that stuff. Uh, any band I was in, we were affiliated with Death to False Hope, so all of our yes. music got put out through that label. They distributed us, all, everything, and then that label fell. It just yeah. stopped. Somebody stopped paying the bill. All the shit went away. And I'm like, what the fuck this, man? I have all this stuff. And I mean, you know, and I'm proud of what I did. So I'm like, well, I'll host a fucking site. So yeah. at least put it up there. DIY, son. Yeah, to uh, get it up there so it wouldn't go away. Because right. you know, that's the worst thing is like being in the, in the I am 45, you were 39. Mm-hmm. So we're not young people, you know. Speak for yourself, old but, man. But uh, listen here, boy. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the thing is, it's like, I'm from the days of like, you can do a lot of shit with the internet nowadays that you know that you couldn't do, and the fact that you can just set up a Bandcamp site and for a couple bucks you can buy this. And yeah. like, I make physical copies too. Like, uh, we never made physical copies of a lot of stuff, and it's like I try to make them worth it. Like the mm-hmm. the Young Tom Fury, you know, like we we recorded that um, uh, that uh, that EP that we did the uh, the Rhodes EP as I call it. We recorded that for uh, Fuel by Ramen. 
oh, originally. That was the plan. I didn't, didn't know that. Yeah, and uh, it kind of fell through. A friend of mine was working on setting that up, and then he kind of just lost shit and was like, nah. and he just, but anyway, it got as, recorded. As often happens. And it got recorded, so that was great. And then I sat on it for a while, and then I talked to, to Jonathan at Death, and I was like, hey, man, I got this EP. You know, he knew the band, and I was like, we've never put it out. You want to do it? And he's like, yes. And then uh, I went through and I pulled the rest of this stuff. Because I wasn't in that band the whole time. There was actually a period where I was about in the band. And I took that EP, the, um, the uh, was it, Bad Feeling About This Album. And the full length they had recorded with a guy named George instead of me. Other than everything else, pretty much just everybody, other, other launch day. And I was like, fuck it, this stuff needs to be put up somewhere. So I started yeah. a band camp. And then I just got like, look, man, I'm going to go ahead and start getting this stuff. Collect as people can get to it. So it started as more like an archival label. But since then, like... Uh, uh, I went ahead and I just released Peter Mayhew, which is Harry, who I actually mm-hmm. play with, but it was a band he played in before we did this band called The Maps of the Fucked. Uh, this grind yes. band I was in. Which is fantastic. Yes. I do well, like he was band. in Peter Mayhew, and so uh, I was like, dude, this stuff needs to be out. You know, same shit, just floating around. I have yeah. the masters for it. I was like, look, I'm going to do this, and then we're about to do an anniversary tape for it. You nice. Know? Okay. Yeah, 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 so I'm putting that like out. Uh, ordered stuff for that. You were just going to do something pretty simple. You know, basically what it is is for the label, we, uh, I, I, if as an artist being on the label or whatever, not um, the few that are on there that I'm not directly affiliated with. Like, I'm about to put the Kenyan Airs out this week. Um, okay. I went ahead and got their EPs, which is Chris Gervais from Young Country's band after Young Country, which I personally think is fantastic. It's so fucking good. It's kind of Americana punk rock kind of stuff. Okay. I can get down, um, get down it's, with that. It's very, very, I enjoy it quite a bit. And uh, Chris is one of my favorite songwriters ever, so I very much sing the herald of how great he is of everything. So I'm like, can I please release this? People can fucking find it. And he's like, yeah. sure, that'd be great. So get it out there. And man. then uh, stuff like that. So I'm about to release it and I'm doing a physical CD for that. But like I said, Peter Mayhew, um, doing a cassette, working on getting this situated with your heart, thing. hearts on fire. Cassette. Yeah. Yeah. And all, then, the, all the guys in the band are on board to, to do this cassette release. And then also, uh, the band chunks from, from oh, yeah. Greenville Spartanburg area. Yeah, yeah. They're actually about to go in the studio with Joe queer because, no uh, kidding. yeah. Cause he wants them to come record with them. They played with them a while back yeah. and they're doing a new EP, nice. but, uh, they're on my label quote unquote. And I was like, so their next release, I'm putting that out. So yeah. And I mean, I'm still looking for people to try to do or whatever, but it's just, uh, Basically, what it is is I take the time to put it up on the band camp, which is not the hard part, but usually I make some sort of physical media part of it, um, either cassette or CD, and then uh, Spotify, which is the necessary evil, though it makes zero fucking money for anybody. No money at all. It's, but, and, uh, you know, I mean, we've got both the Hearts on Fire EPs yeah. are on Spotify, just because I feel like they have to be. Yeah. What's well, <laughs> the thing that kills you know, me today is like today, like Talk Me Off from Richard. By the way, Talk Me Off's cursed album came out today. I talked about it earlier. Uh, it's very fantastic. Love that album. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing that sucks about that for me is like their, their album came out on Smart Punk today, which I already ordered because. You may not know this. I like vinyl a lot. So, yeah, that's another thing so, Dwayne, yeah. Dwayne and I share in common. So, is, um, yeah, I love, I love the vinyl. So, of course, I ordered the, the Smart Punk version because they're on Smart Punk Records. And I ordered it, and then today uh, it came out. And, I mean, I got the download. Smart mm-hmm. Punk was like, hey, man, the album's available. Here's your free download. But I'm just like, fuck all that. I go to their band camp. And their band camp, which I enjoy because... They have this new album and they put it on digitally on Bandcamp for yeah. five dollars, which to me for a fucking full length is super reasonable. It's, Why would you not? It's a dr- yeah. And yeah. plus, I enjoy having things in my Bandcamp app to walk around with me. And I stuff. do too. Yeah. So I do too. of course I went ahead and bought it. So I've te- technically bought 
three things. You know, like I bought it three different ways. I bought your album three times. Yeah, and then the thing is, it's like, uh, yeah, because I have the CD for the first Talk Me Off EP, and I bought yeah. the one-sided record. Fucking looks great. Mm-hmm. And uh, but that, but they're on Spotify, and I'm just like, you know what, people, you can listen to Spotify, and that's great. Spotify's fine. But fucking it's just fine. go throw a dollar or two. You know how much yeah. money like I myself invest just so people can come stream it on the pop band camp or the Spotify. Yeah. People go, you should I mean, put this on there. I'm like, you understand it's like 70 bucks a pop every time I put a release on there for you to listen to people. Well, free. that's, you know, that's with the Hearts on Fire stuff. I, I, <laughs> I guess I'm the most tech savvy guy in the yeah. band, which doesn't say a lot for the rest of those guys. Yeah. But, so I, I put everything on Spotify and Apple Music and yeah. iTunes and all that stuff and sort of footed the bill for that, and you don't get any of that back. No. no I, think, I, have... I think every play you get like a thousandth of a cent. Yeah. And it's like, it's, if you're releases. looking to make money on Spotify, no. go elsewhere. Unless you're a Metallica and make shit. Like unless, I have... Honestly, unless you've got like a hundred million listens mm-hmm. a month. Yeah. But because that's have... not the idea for bands like us. Mm-hmm. We're not... We're not like, what's the best way to make some money on this? No, man, I just want people to hear it. No, I mean, I put it up there just so people can, and people are like, well, you go to Spotify? Yes. I also have a band camp. Which... It's also on band camp. It's yeah. also, I've got CDs and records yeah. in the car. <laughs> like, yeah, you know. and the thing is, is like with the band camp stuff, it's like, I have it where you can buy the, my full band discography. Yeah. Like everything on there, I think it's 10 releases now. It's 15 bucks. 15 bucks. You've got it all on your phone. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's like people just need like I like if I pull up my Bandcamp app, I have over three hundred plus releases in my Bandcamp app because I'm constantly yeah. buying. No, I buy shit all the time. I and get it's... very upset when people have it for free because it doesn't go to your app if you get it for free. It's like oh, it's free, just download. You have I'm to like, pay for it. Like, to please put make it, in it your a library, dollar. But yeah. like free download. I'm like no, man, make it. Uh, no, buy what let, you want. let me let give, give you, you one dollar so I can have it in there. Yeah, I um, I've got a ton of shit in there because I just I'll go through. Yeah, even some of my favorite old bands, yeah, they've gone back find. and put up like all their seven inches and stuff, and I'm like, yeah, yeah and they're bu- in really good quality. A book, yeah, yeah, they're all like, yeah, like a dollar for this, dollar for that. So oh, I've got. I fall into the Columbia things where like insult to injury is banned from Charlotte. I mean, Charlotte, Columbia, a while back, yeah. started twenty fifty eight. All their shits up there, and it sounds great. I mean, I have yep. rips from my record, but they sound like ass. But you but know, these are like dedicated to for digital yeah know, so it's like just... sweet so and and all that so yeah and you just follow these like columbia tag and you just find all these bands that were around it's like oh i didn't know that i didn't yeah. know so and so i remember there. these guys fuck now i gotta buy yeah. other stuff but you're supporting them and and believe us mm-hmm. artists get a lot more kickback from oh ban- bank camp. Camp. yes you'll get 85 percent. i think it's 85 yeah. percent. whereas Spotify is laughable. It's literally I, nothing. Because I get the ka-ching, you made another $4 a day. Yeah. We'll sell a $5 And for a lot of like, bands that, you know, that $4 here, $5 there, that shit adds up, man. That means maybe you can uh, redirect that money into going in the studio again. I mean, honestly, it just makes me feel good that someone liked it enough to have a copy. Like, I had a guy buy a Map Scissor Fuck CD from England, and oh. I did not realize that the shipping had fucking crazy went nuts. I basically paid that dude to have my CD. Hey, man. But I was like, I don't care. Here, Get and, uh, it in people's and hands. And I sent him three or four CDs with it. Because also, if you buy something from me, you never get just that one product. I threw yeah. three or four things in there with it. I'm going to send a bunch of shit to your house. But yeah, but yeah, um, man. So I guess the, the, the idea of what we're kind of circling back to is yeah. support, support your music scene. Yeah. And uh, maybe not Spotify. Yeah. Although, it's great that it's accessible. But um, if you really want to support bands and and allow bands to continue recording and putting out the next record and not having to pay 100% out of pocket for it yeah Bandcamp's the way to go I mean there's so many just labels like I said Jamaica Beach 
uh, Middleman Records um, mm-hmm. with Sean. Um, like his man, like we just did a. We were on one of the comps with him. We did an AFI cover for the Grave Neighbors. Oh, it, was a, the, it was a charity comp thing. The yeah, boy, boy, just throw the world. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, Which, I did it's one. fucking great, by the way. We did that and everything, and like uh, it was awesome because he was like, "You want to?" I'm like, "Yeah, we'll do it. It's great, yeah. you know, and stuff." And because I mean, dude, Sean's great. Uh, I mean, he's got a good label. I mean, they're definitely more in the screamo scrams mm-hmm. label kind of stuff. But I mean, I like oh, what yeah, he's doing. Yeah. And same thing, I go on there and it's just, he's always throwing out stuff. And it's all about selling these, the cassettes. And you can basically buy, it, buy anything for a dollar. And there's so much stuff. And like, I think with him, I bought his whole discography the other day for $24. It was like, I don't know, 60 releases on there? Yeah. Great that's, stuff, That's man. insane. And stuff. And you're and supporting just... people that are doing, that are making, making good things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And support, I mean, support art, please. Yeah, but I mean, other than that, I mean, but me, yeah, here sport. I mean, I'm just trying to get stuff going. Um, like I said, uh, I mean, everything's on the site, heresupport.bankcap.com. Uh, like I said, man. your uh, like cassette it. will be on there. We'll figure out how to get everything worked out with that. But uh, yeah, we're going to do the deluxe version of yours. We're, I'm, I'm having to go to Canada to get these cases. Let me tell you what. Um, yeah, we're man. we're doing a little something different with the cases. I think that's still the idea, right? I don't uh-huh. want to give it away. But oh no, no, no. We're be... doing. You're getting. No, I'm doing two deluxes soon, and you're one of them. And so. if anyone's actually listened this long, and you're familiar with, I'll tell you we're a, we're a, we're a buck forty five. <laughs> yeah, well that's fine. Yeah, um, it's gonna edit down. It'll be like we, an hour uh, fifteen. We we recorded sort of on a lark. We recorded an extra song last time we were in the studio with Jay Matheson at the Jam Room. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's pretty likely that song will be included on the cassette release. So mm-hmm. there's. A little incentive to pick it up if you've already got the discs. There's there's going to be... There will be a track six on the second EP. Oh, I will tell you. Uh, I'm not going to tell am, you what uh, it is, but... The Canyon Arrows is a... Um, if you get the disc, it's it's, it's 19 tracks. But uh-huh. if you download the Bandcamp, or if I want to put it on Spotify, it will only be 15. Because there's three covers on the disc-only format. Oh. Because you find if you put things on it, like, I just... With Seriously Dead, I had to pull our samples... In the cover because they was take yeah. it down right yeah because yeah, they're like we had samples from a DC movie but uh, you know whatever well then and, so, and that's part of the thinking behind putting this uh, oh fuck I just gave away the the, the extra songs a cover we probably well, whatever you didn't say what it was <laughs> I didn't say what it was oh fuck it if you've seen us live I mean, enough you, you know if, what I mean it is. if you don't know they cover Britney Spears then you don't know man it's true that's, that's, uh, that's true but uh I mean. Like I said, whatever. I mean, that's the same thing with when you buy the Seriously Day cassette we have. It's six songs. Uh, I, I threw an extra song on there that we don't have on the band camp, you yeah. know, and stuff like that. It's like, you know, well, you got a, I little, make it a little incentive to move some physical media. And nothing uh, no, nothing I sell is more than five bucks. I mean, there five dollars. Come on, set. come on, folks. It's anyway. Five dollars. That's a cup of coffee. All right, well, we're going to wrap this up. This was the first one. I had a really good time. I did, too. We had to talk about music and horror movies and Christopher Walken. Yeah, Christopher Walken, exactly. <laughs> and Stephen King, which I apparently like I said we very well, much both love. you know, a, really an, an unchecked, unfiltered conversation between Dwayne and I could be yeah. 12 hours of talking about Stephen King. Oh, yeah. We, so we you're, can't... you're lucky that we kept it under two hours. Yes, well, you know. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, but everything. So we're going to wrap it up. Anyway, uh, hopefully we can, uh, I'll get this going, and then uh, episode two will drop here soon. But, yeah, hopefully this will, we'll get this edited out and figure out what's going on. And, uh, anyway, I'd like to thank you for showing, coming up to Columbia. 
Thank you for. I know you got a kid at home. It is also Valentine's Day. Yeah, yeah, I might be in trouble, but I no, mean, whatever. no, I got. I mean, my wife's off dressing up at a, cos- a cosplay convention, and uh, your wife's home with the baby. So yeah, you know. so everyone's making sacrifices. We're having we're we're having. May I steal this from the Goldbergs television show? We're having Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. Yeah, the I pals are just hanging out with yeah. uh, without the lovers. Oh, All right. Well, anyway, that's gonna be about it. Uh, like I said, uh, hopefully uh, this is, this was okay for you. Anyway, talk to yeah. you later. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.